This is Valley Views, our weekly conversation with influential and interesting folks from around the Wet Mountain Valley. Today on Valley Views, we're going to be looking at Westcliff Center for the Performing Arts performance of Biederman and the Firebugs. We've got Dan Heaster, who's lead and director, and Elliot Jackson, who's the program manager at the theater and also part of the play. Folks, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for having us. I always look forward to uh, talking with folks from the theater. Shakespeare looked like a great success this summer. Uh, it was absolutely a great success. I uh, uh, have the privilege of greeting the audience as they come in and was just really heartened by how many people said we're so glad to have you back, that you're an important part of the community. And when they actually got seated and saw the show, we got great response all all around, built our audience over the run. So we were very, very pleased. And Much Ado About Nothing is a great play. It's it's funny. It's it's easy to follow. Uh, it's a classic. Yeah, it is. So let's talk about the upcoming play, Biederman and the Firebugs. Uh, Elliot, give us the wherefore and the why, dates and time. We are opening on October 8th, Friday, October 8th, and we will run from the 8th through the 10th, and then again the following weekend, the 15th through the 17th. So that's Friday and Saturday at 7 p.m. and Sunday at 2 p.m. at the Jones Theater. Let me get a peek behind the curtain at uh, Westcliff Center for the Performing Arts. How did the plays get chosen, uh, specifically this one? This one, it's, it's one of my favorite plays in the world. I've done it before. And I think that it is absolutely right on for right now. It's very timely. It is a play about the hidden dangers in our world. And certainly one of them has been COVID, forest fires, climate change, the extreme left, the extreme right. And the beauty of the play is that it leaves the metaphor um, quite open. So the audience is invited to draw their own conclusions on what are the hidden dangers in their world, in our world, in uh, planetary. So it works on on a lot of levels. So Dan, this play was shortly after World War II and has a a, a Nazi theme, is that is that fair? Uh, well, no, it was an, an exploration in terms of what I was just talking about, the hidden dangers for Frisch as a Swiss observer of World War II. He was writing about the rise of Nazism and the rise of communism at the same time, that those were both hidden dangers that were posing, and both sides saw the other as an existential threat, and yet we are here in 2021. So uh, it was, uh, but he, yeah, it was his his commentary on something traumatic and huge that had just happened in his world that he thought was an ongoing issue. And as you mentioned, it translates well into the current situations, how people can miss the obvious dangers of the situation. Right. Well, and it partly says, you know, some of the dangers that we see coming, we still can't avoid. So right. for, for Frisch, certainly a lot of it was about war, about World War Two that a whole lot of people saw it coming. A whole lot of people said we need to do something to cut it off, and yet it happened anyway. And, you know, part of what Frisch says is that 
bad things happen to good people and bad people alike. Bad things happen in our world, and mm-hmm. so we need to create an attitude about it where we take it seriously and where we also have a comic distance. And that's, I think, the, the true beauty of the play is that that's what it does. It takes serious issues seriously and provides a comic, ironic distance so that we can look at it with some perspective. And Frisch was Swiss. He was and Swiss. And the play was written was originally written in German. In German, uh-huh. And he was a student of Brecht. Uh, he was a contemporary. and I, He was and, a contemporary and a student and in some ways a colleague of Brecht's. And, yeah. and how does that enter into the themes and, and all? You you know a lot about uh, Bertolt Brecht. Uh, yeah, I'm hugely. Uh, you know, it, it's hard to boil down all of Brecht had uh, complex uh, theories about theater. But in his practice, he did what worked. And so Brecht had a very two-sided uh, view on that. But I think the main feature is that he uh, felt as, as movies were beginning to become more popular, that when we're in the theater, we know we're in the theater. We don't try and hide that we're in the theater. And that that creates a different kind of audience experience, a different kind of invitation, and a different kind of fun and entertainment for the audience. Brecht wanted people not to just have a warm, fuzzy, emotional experience, but to participate in making a judgment and having a judgment, having an opinion about the issues of the play. And so Brecht and also Frisch wrote plays that were about um, important issues in our lives, life and death kinds of issues, um, instead of just being a narrative. And he was very brilliant, I think Frisch was, at making those issues, those big issues, on a social level, happen through a narrative about people. So it adds a whole other layer to the theatricality of it. Let me ask a bit about the production. Uh, Elliot, how many are in the cast? Gosh, eight. Uh, eight. Yes, it's it's it could be performed. Uh, uh, some of the characters in the play are a chorus of firefighters, and we could have had anywhere up to you know you, you could have as many people in the chorus as you want. Right. As it turns out, our chorus has only three people, and so there is a role that's identified as the chorus leader because we you know we, we don't have the luxury of numbers. Uh, Dan ended up splitting up the chorus, uh, the leader part among the three. So sometimes they're all talking in unison. Sometimes there's one that peels off and orchestrating that has been a big part of it. So there's the chorus and then there's the um, there's Biederman and his household and then there's the two mysterious men that show up and infiltrate their way into the household. How long ago was the play chosen and cast? I'm trying to get a feel for how long people have had to learn lines, etc.? Uh, not very long, not as long as we normally do. I was, uh, as I say, I've liked this play for years. It's one of my favorite plays, and I thought it was you know, very, very right to do now. I was actually looking for a translation of it into French because I direct a French troupe down in Denver, and as I got excited by that, I had the good luck of seeing a play that Tom Frostman did at the Jones, an Ethel Fugard play that mm-hmm. um, 
kind of spurred me and made me really feel like our audience is ready to take a step into things that are a little more issue-oriented, a little more intellectual, if you will, not in a bad way, but in a good way, plays that make you think, plays that make you respond, plays that make you judge and think about your own life and participation in society. We've talked before about your expertise in French theater. Uh-huh. Uh, Moliere has, has found its way into the Shakespeare Festival it has. in the past. Are there any fundamental differences between French theater and German theater in terms of themes or approaches? Uh, um, there are a whole bunch on a whole lot of levels. Big differences between uh, French and German theater, most especially in a classical sense, but this play emerged out of a movement that was led by Brecht, but there were also playwrights in France who were working in the same kind of way, uh, Samuel Beckett, um, Artaud, uh, names that aren't commonplace names, but the absurdist theater, existentialist theater, and a theater that was kind of trying to push the edges of all of those traditions in both cultures. And so there's a real joining between those two cultures and uh, the Italians, um, for instance, with the UNESCO doing mm-hmm. a, a lot of that kind of thing. So um, there is a there is a contrast, there's a difference, and there is certainly, because of the way the languages work, a different feel for French and German theater, even in this genre. But there was also a, a great meeting of minds, and in a lot of ways it brought a lot of the artistic thinking and intellectual thinking that was going on all over Europe at the time together and was and helped spawn it. So this is part of that movement. Okay. Let me back way up. Dan, you've been in a number of plays over the years. Most memorable role that you've been in? Um, hard to say. Three of them, I would say, are um, Creon in Jean-Anouis Antigone. I've done that quite a number of times, both in French and English. Certainly, uh, Lear in King Lear is a major, was a major bucket list kind of thing, as was Prospero in Tempest. So those are those are three big ones off the top of my head. Best part you haven't played? <sighs> uh, I'm tempted to say Hamlet, but I don't think Hamlet... Um, I don't know. I, I have to think more about that because I've been lucky enough to be able to play uh, most or many of the roles that I've always wanted to or at least participated in uh, plays that uh, contain those. There's still a few. I'd, uh, and some of them I'm too old now to play, so I never will. Exactly. Elliot, how about you? Favorite role that you've been in? <laughs> oh, wow. Um I don't know. It's that that that's a hard one to say too. Um, I, I have a soft spot. I have a soft spot for King Lear's Fool. That was, that was a fun one. Lady Bracknell in in Importance of Being Earnest is is certainly one of the most fun. I I seem to 
have two types that I gravitate back and forth. I, I'm either playing the Grand Dame or the Grand Dame's lady's maid. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, you know, and, and of those two, I would, I would have to say that, you know, Lady Bracknell was, was uh, the most fun. Probably foible in uh, William Congreve's Way of the World would be another fun one at the opposite end of that spectrum. You know, and, and I have to say, a lot of my favorite roles have been in, I'm very proud of the fact that I've helped develop a whole lot of new plays, and those a lot of those have been my favorite, not only roles, but processes, um, ensemble development, things like that, bringing new playwrights onto the stage and and most especially doing not not just an original production because that's easy to sell oh this is a brand new original production but doing a second production of new plays has always been very very exciting for me let me ask both of you have directed and acted what are the most challenging aspects of both of those roles they're quite different uh, they are. They are. They're different, but together. And this one has been very interesting because much of my exploration and understanding of the character, I, I didn't really want to play it, but it was most practical for a number of reasons to have me play it. I actually wanted to be the leader of the chorus. But with um, Biederman, as I've explored the character... It has informed the directing, and the directing has also informed the direction that the character is taking. So that's been a very fascinating, challenging thing with a lot of upside and some downside in terms of the complication about being able to see it or get distance from it. Elliot, how does the theater look different in these days of COVID? As we get toward the production, uh, limited seating, uh, et cetera? Yeah, yes, we'll, we'll have the house. Uh, we're going to limit uh, the number of tickets to 50 per performance. We're not requiring that the audience mask up, but we are certainly going to provide them in case people want them. Um, staff will, will mask up. The actors will not, but I think we're allowed to get away with that. Certainly COVID influenced this because... It, uh, among other things, the existence of COVID and the process that the country and the world has taken in, in responding to it make this play uh, particularly timely, relevant, and fun as well, that we can get some perspective from all of the different attitudes that are out there butting heads. This is a way of saying you know what, they're, they're all valid and they're all worth laughing at. Good point. Elliot, one more time, days and times of the play. Okay, so we are opening on Friday, October 8th at 7 p.m., running from October 8th to 10th. So Friday, Saturday, 7 p.m., uh, Sunday, 2 p.m., and then again the following weekend, which is the 15th through the 17th. Tickets are available locally um, in advance at Candy's Coffee and also at Arterburn Fine Arts here in downtown Westcliff. Or you can call the theater and reserve tickets that way. And that number is 719-783-3004. Dan, one more time. What will people experience when they see Biederman and the Firebugs? Uh, they will experience a play that is interesting, entertaining, 
uh, has dark, ironic comedy, but um, hopefully will provoke them to think about a lot of the issues in their lives, to think about COVID and all of the extremes in the society in in a new way and particularly in a way that, like I just said, allows you to think seriously about something and also have a sense of humor about how you think about it, how other people think about it, and the conflicts that we run into on a lot of these issues that let us devolve into useless discussions, and hopefully this will promote useful discussions. Well, I just wanted to jump onto that. Just one quick thing. Uh, to me, there's a, the pivotal point of the entire play is a point where Biederman addresses the audience, and this is after, not to give too much of the plot away, this is after a situation where, you know, he's accepted to people into his household who turn out to be very suspicious characters indeed, and he's going out of his way to try and placate them, be, be friends with them, and, you know, so they don't hurt him. And he says to the audience, you know, basically, something like you laugh but you know what would you have done when would you have done it and to me that's that's the whole point that's kind of the the, the pivot point of the play is huge, huge. is, Thank is you, that it, yeah. it really it's one of those things where it's like well it's easy to look at you know an historical situation or someone else's situation and say well you should have done this you should have done that and what Biederman is is uncomfortably pointing out is like yeah, well, you think you would have made the right decision, but would you have, really? Think, think about it, yeah. yeah. Think about it. What would you have done in my place? Great. Uh, Dan and Elliot, thanks for visiting with us oh, today. Oh, thanks for having us. Yeah. It's a really pleasure to be here. We've been visiting with Dan Heaster and Elliot Jackson from the Westcliff Center for the Performing Arts. Biederman and the Firebugs is right around the corner. We'll look forward to that. My name's Gary. We'll see you next time on Valley View. You've been listening to Valley Views on KLZR 91.7 FM. Valley Views airs Tuesdays and Thursdays at 7 a.m. and 4 p.m. and again on Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Send your ideas and comments to comments at klzr.org. Valley Views is produced by the volunteers of KLZR 91.7 FM. I'm walking on a rainbow with my feet on solid ground. 